When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's More Over Podcast. The only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action. All with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at More Over Podcast. We are More Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts on the Sports Social Network. A network of like-minded sports podcasts where you can find lots of different stuff for all your sporting needs. Uh, I'm joined this week by the Chinese lensman. Welcome, Doug. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Feels like we've been at this a while. It does. It does. But, you know, let's not pull back the curtain too early. Um, Housewives favourite, Phil Elkins. How you doing, mate? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, I am currently drinking a can of Doug's Wide Awake. Ironically, <laughs> and and the nicest guy in Cornish rugby podcasting, Ben Eustace. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, good. Thanks, Russ. Good, good. Well, we tried something a bit different this week. Um, we're recording this podcast not only for your uh, podcasting and catch-up pleasure, but we are live on Facebook and, and Twitter and lots of other places. Um, and I've just noticed this is live on my personal Facebook account rather than uh, rather than the All Over podcast, which you know <laughs> is one of those things, isn't it? So uh, Wait, it's live somewhere. It's it's live somewhere, and you know it's all good. It, it absolutely does not matter where we go live, other than I am going to get absolutely torn to shreds by my non-rugby following friends. You know, like, well, acquaintances. Well, just make, makes a, makes a change from just your rugby friends. Really, yeah, it? absolutely. So, um, I mean, and all the people that I've just shared this link to on Twitter, on our all over, uh, feed, you know, I'm going to be inundated with friend requests now because they're not going to be able to see my video. I wouldn't have thought, but Hey, it's all good. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> there you go. Right, should we... I mean, I feel like we've been waiting for long enough. Should we talk about some rugby? No? Okay, then. Brilliant. Yes, yes let's do it. I mean, we can do right. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, I mean, you've all been itching to go for the past hour and a half. So... Uh, <laughs> you know, it's about time we got started. Um, right, let's let's start at the beginning of Saturday. The the combination of the Six Nations, the um, the crescendo, as it were, uh, and everybody turning up to the Principality Stadium, including Douglas, who probably had the best seat of the house for um, Wales versus Italy. What was the uh, what was the what was the uh, what was the atmosphere like inside the stadium, Doug? I mean, from minute one to to minute eighty. 
Well, I mean, it was an early kickoff, wasn't it? So, um, the, a, a lot of the a lot of the Welsh fans for those early kickoffs were packing into the pubs outside. I think they were turning up expecting just to um, give give the Italians a good bumming and um, get back to drinking brains afterwards. I think it was a bit of a flat atmosphere at the start. Um, a, a sort of sixty thousand people circle Wankover, Alan Wynne Jones, and then. And then uh, the game started, and they got a little bit, a little bit tense as the game went on. And then there was a, a, a very palpable sigh of relief when Josh Adams scored his try. And then um, one of the most wonderful feelings I've ever experienced in rugby uh, when uh, that little fellow went went through for the winning try. You well, you had the. I mean, I've seen several different angles, um, but there's one particular angle from from behind. Was that you? Was that your handiwork? I mean, you narrow it down, mate. From behind. Well, I, I don't know where you were. I don't know where you were. You were visualising from. So I'm just trying I was, to I was trying to work out. You shared something on Twitter. I shared on. T- yeah, I think the one that I shared on Twitter actually wasn't me. Um, Oh, I've claimed. I mean, it now, so that's not ideal. Like Considering we said it was. Uh, you know, partridge shrug. I, d- I don't really care. It. <laughs> it was a good view, though. I certainly enjoyed it. There was a couple of lads sat next to me actually, um, who asked me how I felt about the, the result at, at the end, um, and obviously I. I I think you can imagine, you know, the, how I responded to these very Welsh men when they asked how I felt about the result with a resounding "I'm English, mate." I think is absolutely fucking wonderful. <laughs> I mean, is there anything better? The amount of Welsh fans like proper crying. Like I wanted to put out. I know yeah, JB did that, it for the egg chasing account, thing, but I wanted to. They were doing that thing where you get, um, you know, that that sort of. Oh, it's good to see Italy win, isn't it? It's like, come on, Gwyntaf. We all know that's not not how you feel at the moment. We know. I know you're ruined inside. I know you're absolutely ruined. And the fact that you're having to stand there and 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 explain it away to an Englishman is making it even worse. Um, and and the good thing about Welsh rugby fans is they think that, or or any home nations rugby fan that isn't English, they 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 seem to resort to that sort of um. Who's the only home nation side that's ever gone out in their home World Cup at the group stage? You know, and he really thought he'd got me, but I mean, they've got to come up with some new gigs, man. Because you know, how many World Cup finals? How many have you won? All that kind of stuff. Um, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was absolutely wonderful, just to just to bathe in their tears. I mean, it was it was really decent. Ben, how did how did you find uh, Saturday lunchtime? Well, I really enjoyed it. Um, I must admit, I was out of my seat as the um, last try went over. Um, but I actually thought Italy definitely deserved to win. I thought they were the better team, um, and they 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 did what we kind of criticised them for in the previous games, in that they looked decent for a little while and then um, made a horrible error and conceded points. They, they kind of cut that out. They, they gave it three or four phases, and if it wasn't working, the scrum half kicked it away. And I think 
I think that actually worked in their favour in that it just cut out the unforced errors. And um, when you threw in the back, the back three all um, uh, made pretty significant contributions and they could have had a couple more tries out of them. And also um, a lot of the pack played very well, especially the, the hooker and the, the big number six. Um, so I actually think, you know, they would have been a little bit robbed if they'd lost that game at the end. Yeah, I, I, think I, I really agree. agree. I mean, Lamaro looks to be getting better every game. Was... I thought their front row was brilliant. Um, they 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 put themselves about. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I thought their whole pack was really good, actually. I thought their number eight was really good as well. Mm. It was... Yeah, the, the skipper's a really good player, isn't he? I mean, you know, he's he's been sort of standing out in every game but um you know he managed to stay on for the whole game in this he, in this one which which kind of helps he's him. a real leader isn't he Lamaro? um almost in the you know parise spent so many years leading that team almost by example and almost single-handedly and you know we've given him a lot of pelters over the course of the last few years but with the under 20s looking at improving i mean the under 20s beat the welsh 27 20 and then they beat england in this tournament as well so they're obviously improving they're obviously developing bringing players in like the fullback you know importing the odd um south islander here or there you know i'm not going to make any comment on that um but they're, they're definitely they're definitely going somewhere and you know they certainly probably went all out in Cardiff on Saturday afternoon, early evening. There was, a, you, there was an interview with Monty Uani. No, I was going to say, there was an interview with Monty Uani on Radio 5 Live this morning. Um, and he was talking about his, his route to being an Italian international. Um, and he, he basically went to, to Italy following family who were playing rugby out there um, with no intention of even thinking about playing rugby for Italy but absolutely loves it um, and sees that as as his future which I think we need to to be honest is very different from um, the approach of some other countries of searching through people's heritage to try and find a, a grandfather so that they can bring them across and and uh, get them playing as soon as possible um, he the way he was talking was very much that he sees himself as as an Italian, unlike some of the other um, mercenaries that are around. But um, I suppose not not wanting to piss all over the celebrations because I was cheering as much as anyone when um, when the final whistle went. But it will mean nothing if they go another thirty six games without winning one. Like they need to build on this. They need to be more competitive, even if next year they win one game. That that would be deemed a, a success and travel in the right direction, um, but yeah, otherwise it's it's one good result against the Welsh team that I was I think was far too complacent and thought that they were going to walk all over them, um, and yeah, that that would mean nothing in the long term. They need to build on this and keep going. It was absolutely delicious think... that it was Alan Jones's 150th as well, wasn't it? Sorry, don't oh, you carry mm-hmm. on. No, I, I think that what what's um, been un, under sort of sold is the the 
the sort of decline in Welsh rugby because they've gone from almost a, I don't want to sort of use the term golden generation, but they, they had a, a generation of players that were probably two or three really, really top class players away from being one of the best in the world. They're one of the best coaches. But all of those players have, have sort of come and gone now. Lee Halfpenny, you know, Liam Williams is sort of nearing the end. Alan Wynne-Jones, I mean, I, I get the impression that if he was like one of those Futurama heads in a jar of pickle, he'd still be getting picked for Wales and he'd still be on a set, central contract, you know. It, like, please, put him out to stud, let him breed with some Welsh people and make some other Welsh rugby players, but he, he needs to have a he needs to have a day off. <laughs> And I think they are, yeah, yeah. And um, you, you could say the same for, uh, uh, goodness me, my, my brain's gone. But yeah, the, look, they're, I think their issue is they don't have competitive club teams and they don't have, they, they, they don't, just, they just don't have the same level of player coming through that they, that they've been used to, so they're going. They're going to struggle. They're going. They're going to have a, a few years until, you know, maybe they need to bottom out and 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 come back from that. But there 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 definitely needs to be sort of some kind of root and branch kind of analysis of why they've fallen so far. I just don't think their players are good enough. They've the the players that they've lost. Yeah, have been placed replaced by players that are just way worse it's, it's not a it's not a difficult sort of sum to work out and Wayne Pivak is um you know taking a lot of pelters for that have been have, have accused of not really being progressive I, I enough Pivak, um he he's basically inherited a Gatlin team that has played one way for so long and it, I almost feel like he's a little bit reticent to to put his own stamp on how Wales play. I think he's still they still play in this sort of hybrid bastardised version of the Gatlin system where where it's one out rugby defend really hard. If you look at his Scarlets team that won the the Pro 12 or Pro 14, I can't remember you know whatever it was called back then. They actually played with a little bit of sort of creative invention and and, and ambition. I. And I don't think he's quite had the courage to change it up for Wales. I think there's a fear and almost like a lack of belief in his players. It's a bit like how Man United are at the moment. They they sort of they've got the players that can that can do stuff, but they're just reluctant to actually go out and do it. I I don't know if he thinks that well with Wales we have to play this way. This this is in the DNA of our players. They've played this way for so long, like Bigger and Alan Wynn and, and, and those guys, Balotel. I think he just needs to rip it down and, and sort of just believe in his own convictions. I, I'm not, I'm not sure that they, um, I'm not sure they really know whether they're coming or going as a, as a, a team. And, you know, we talk about identities of rugby teams quite a lot. I'm not sure what theirs is at the moment. It's kind of, you know, start a game of rugby no. and hang on and fun- as you can. Yeah, and fundamentally, I think you hit the nail on the head when you sort of first started talking about Wales is the fact that they're, they've they lost players. The likes of 
Hadley Parks, who kind of took over from Jamie Roberts in that straight running 12 channel. Jonathan Davis is not the player he was, and Owen Watkin is not the reincarnation of 2015 Jonathan Davis. You know, and and they're really struggling to recreate that that sort of level of player. Um, you know, they've got in Ad, in Josh Adams, they've got one of the best finishers maybe in, in world rugby when it comes to to scoring tries. Um, but they've not been able to utilise and not been able to get him into the game well enough. Um, and and overall, they, they just, they seem very pedestrian and, and very route one. And that route one just isn't really cutting it anymore. And like you say. It's not been great, has it, as far as uh, as far as the spectacle goes? And we'll get on to how much better France have been than everybody else in a little while. Um, other than you know, other than the the obvious, Italy winning their first game in in thirty six. Um, it's it's shut Sam Warburton up a little bit as well, didn't it, with regards to um, what he said beforehand and having people. Um, you know, Italy replaced and having having all of the uh, playoff conversations and the promotion of relegation. And after the game, they beat Wales. So uh, it was nice. It was nice for that to to come to fruition. Any more comments? To, on... to, to his credit, he, he he stood by it, didn't he? He said he would still uh, still support it. Well, well, um, Wales could be in some trouble I... moving forward. Yeah, but I, I think the playoffs a great idea because it gives you, it gives the teams in the league below something to play for and and something for the you know if you've lost your first two games in the Six Nations, still something to to aim for you know. So I, I've I've always thought that's a really good idea. I think straight promotion and relegation would um, just mean you've got one weak team replaced by another. But I think the playoff would be in almost everyone's favour. You know, you you get a, a real big game for the um, team that's trying to get promoted, and a sort of do or die game for the for the bottom team, which you know probably is is good for their development as well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd what, definitely what be in favour of that. What were you last week about playing less I, games? One thing in the game I couldn't understand. <laughs> well, yeah, but I I'd have I'd have got rid of the first round of the European Cup, so we got a few to play with. 
Yeah. I, I mean, you I can get rid of every round views of the on, uh, Rugby in general uh, are in direct opposition to my earning potential. So, I, if anything, I think they should play more games. <laughs> so, you're in favour of the playoff as well, then, Doug? Multiple playoffs, yeah. He is, he is if they get to travel. Yeah. Georgia. I think I no, I think yeah. that Doug would quite welcome a weekend in Bilbao. Um, yeah. yeah. Tbilisi. Yeah. Apparently, Ro- Romania's new ground is is right next to the biggest beer hall in Europe. Apparently. Jamaica. Tell you Europe, one place right? we won't be seeing a rugby playoff from for a little while. We be oh, we won't be seeing too many rugby playoffs in Kiev for a little while. <laughs> or, uh, or Moscow, probably. Yeah. Andre Morrison. Uh, anyway, I should have um, right. I should have hung that up in the background, shouldn't I? I've got my um my uh, Krasny Yar top upstairs. Should have put that up. Is that the one you got when they were there. training outside Murrayfield? Yeah, I got it from Vasily Artemiev. What shirt did you get when your old man was Irish Russian? Yeah, yeah, my 60-year-old... Old I almost said Vasily Saitsev. ...for his shirt. <laughs> Incredible. Do you remember Vasily Saitsev? Did you ever watch Enemy at the Gates? He was the sniper in Enemy at the Gates with Jude Law. There you go. Bit of useless information for you. Um, shit story, Russ. Just to... <laughs> it was a real shit story. Just to go wow. back to the, the final minute of that, of that match. And... Long-time um, listener and sometimes contributor George Ferris commented on something I put on Twitter. I shared the video. I think it was Huge Rugby on Twitter that, that tweeted the video of um, Padovani going in. Uh, and what is lost in, I think, a lot of this is the wherewithal from the from the young fullback to actually slow down and pass the ball inside. Because how many wingers have you seen, even though the game, you know, the game's on the line, they needed a seven-pointer to to win the game. But how many have you seen just pin their ears back and go for the corner without any thought of anything else? Well, I'm sure we'll um, one thing, Russ, talk about it a little bit in the next player, game, won't he we? Would have, uh, he would have kicked it back. <laughs> He'd have box but, kicked it. Yeah. But it, it was. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it probably like, helped that he'd seen he'd seen he'd seen Ioni butcher one already. So yeah, but probably put it in his mind. I mean, we we saw it in in later games where people they just almost arrogantly backed themselves to score the try, regardless of of what the the wider point and the wider situation is. And it made that kick for um, Garbisi in front of the posts. Now, if you've got a kick in front yeah, of the post to yeah. win your first game in 36, yeah, that it's a dream situation, isn't it? It's bread and butter. If he had that You'd kick miss it, mate. from the touchline to to win your first game in 36, well, you'd probably try and chip it into the corner, you little cunt. But, um, <laughs> but if you're going, if you're going to go and um, score in the corner, and then Italy lose by a point because he misses the conversion and everybody goes, ah, oh, well done, Italy, little consolation score. Yeah, well done. You know, Wales got away with one, blah, blah, blah. 
but actually just that little moment where he where he slowed down waited for some support drew the man passed it inside happy days padavani goes in under the under the post winner i think i think the other thing that's got a bit lost is um i know wales uh, don't you know quite often try to avoid kicking the ball off the pitch but they they'd already won the game once and and given away a penalty and then italy kicked it into the 22 and then wales basically won the game again by turning over the the line out and um i just thought this the scrum half could have just kicked it to touch gained another 20 25 meters and italy would would never have scored um, you know, from a line out, and it would have put pressure on the substitute hooker who'd already lost a really important line out. But but kicking it down the winger's throat, who then you know fed the fullback and then followed up to score, I think it wasn't the it wasn't the brightest move either. I think kicking the ball off in that situation would have would have iced the game. Absolutely, <laughs> and and so there was a lot of um. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, a little no, bit. Go back to podcast two. Ben Bocheter. <laughs> that was tenuous. I watched that, that game. Although I'm pretty uh, sure the Welsh Scrum Half isn't playing for Italy next Six Nations. Yeah. What, Quinn's, uh, what was it? Quinn's, was it Montpellier? Montpellier. Quinn's Saints. You, you watched it in Bangladesh. I know, he did it against Saints as well, didn't he? He did it twice in two weeks. Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. He really went to town on on Quinn's season. Just had enough. He was so bad. Right. He was so bad. Um, let's move on. Uh, well done, Italy. Uh, unlucky Wales. Not absolute. You know, let's let's not finish that sentence. But uh, I could I could taste the salty Ireland. tears. I mean, you say that. I'm I'm beginning to beginning to put both sets of fans on a par. <laughs> Primarily because of one person. And one person that shall remain yeah. nameless yeah. on this podcast who is the epitome Allegations of a mewling prick. Correct. Absolutely. Unfounded. No basis. <laughs> From the Irish. Anyway, let's move on. Yes, from the Irish. Um, I'll talk of the Irish. They uh, entertained Scotland in what was an odd game, really. It was it was a game Ireland were always in control of. At one point, it was well. The first five minutes were probably the loosest and arguably shittest rugby I've seen for, for quite some time. Um, the, both teams were just throwing the ball around, not even to their own people. They just, it was, the ball spent mo- more time on the floor than in hand. And it was very, very un-Ireland-like. I mean, you'd expect it from Scotland trying to play without a bit of structure, but not from Ireland. They, they, it's not really it, in their nature. Was it Was it a bit of pressure telling? Was it a bit of, um, we know we've got to win and ideally get a bonus point to really put France under pressure to win the Six Nations? Um, 
and a bit of kind of flight or fight or freeze kicked in and some of them just started doing things that weren't part of their normal gameplay until they settled down. Um, I don't, I wouldn't have thought I don't, so. I don't know. It'd be I, better than that, wouldn't you? You would I, have thought so. I, I, I think like, I think like once, you know, once one side starts going a little bit like they're having a nervous breakdown and, and there's, there's an interception on the cards every third pass, I think it gets tempting to, to go for that interception and maybe finish it off at, at that It's like point. a yawn, isn't it? Um, you see but, one person you know, yawn, it's, it's infectious. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, um, I... You know, and, and, and you get it you get it with, you know, it, the opposite, don't you? Sometimes you're, you one side's come for an arm wrestle and the the perhaps the better side's forwards just can't resist, even though they know they might be a bit outmatched and you just end up getting just two sides picking and going all the time. Um, you know, like you say, it's contagious. But you know, once Ireland uh, you know got a grip on the game, it was it was pretty one-sided. Yeah. Well, Scot- of- Scotland lost the I game. Like Scotland are the kind the of previous team. week, really. Go on, Doug. Sorry, I f- uh, yeah, no, I feel like Scotland are the kind of team that make other teams play to their how they're playing that day. Like when they play against England, that it's almost like they're how they play dictates the tempo and the sort of ambition of the other teams. You, you sort of get, I don't know how they do it, but you sort of get sucked into their level. You saw it with England. They, 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 um, yeah, I think, I think that's a really, yeah, I think that's a really good point, Doug. That, that's probably happened about the last, if you take out that game that was played in a hurricane where it was always going to be played like it was, I think the last three or four times England have played Scotland, it's been on Scotland's terms. You know, even that that game that was a long time ago now that ended in a draw um, where England were way up at half time, that just became, you know, everyone played into Scotland's hands in the second half. And I, I think you're right. I think I think they do. I think they, they especially their forwards are quite abrasive so they can... Um, they can sort of goad you into a bit of a battle if they want to, but also, you know, they've got the willingness to go wide, which, as Russ says, can be can be like a yawn at times. And I think, I think we've seen that with, without their sort of first fifteen, they're not they're not the strongest side in the tournament by quite a long way. Um, but you know, they can get you on their terms, which which plays obviously to their favour. That's not too obvious a point. No, it makes sense. So what frustrates me as an England fan? Go on, Phil. <laughs> the joys of slight delays as we all start talking, and then all shut up because we think someone else is talking. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I... I'll start again. I think there's an argument with Scotland that there's a little bit of an expectation about how they're supposed to be. You know, they've got all these brilliant players and forwards and multiple lions and they're, they're probably a bit better than they have been in the last sort of decade or so. So there's, there's a little bit of an expectation that they're sort of, they, they almost think that they should be competing in these games when the, the reality is that as soon as they're 5% off, they're miles away. If they're, they're either, they either have to hum for 80 minutes of every game or they, they're going to get beat. They're, they're, Cause they're not, they're not tough enough to hang with, Big, bigger nations, i.e. England and Ireland and France. I think there's been an elevated level. 
I mean, they hung with but it that... when they beat them, but the, the level of Ireland, France and England has, has, has gone up and I don't think Scotland have that extra gear to go up to. But I think that, that kind of comes back to what I tried to say earlier, that I, I think Scotland lost this game like the week before. I think they lost this game when six of their players decided to go out when they were told not to. And then when they were told to come back, three of them still decided that they were going to stay out till four o'clock in the morning, which just demonstrates that, that their team ethos is about ego. Um, and that's typified really by Finn Russell, who decided that not only was he going to stay out, he was then going to go back to his mum and dad's and not go to the team hotel afterwards. Um, and also by, by Stuart Hogg, who... I think has got caught up in a bit of his own hubris at the moment and just believes that he's he's the best player out there and it his the level of performance he's sticking in has gone down over the last two years or so um i don't think he's as quick as he used to be he hasn't got the the step that he used to have but he still plays like or tries to play like he's an absolute world beater um, and I think it's holding the team back. I think his, his ego and his arrogance is holding the team back. Um, and yeah, similar to what Russ was saying about Capuuso, uh, Stuart Hogg gets a breakthrough. He's got two men inside him. Um, he can pull it back to Bennett. <laughs> Why is that always funny? Yeah, he's got two men inside him. <laughs> he can pull it back to Bennett or he can um, pass it slightly wider inside. Uh, to the no, no wonder he's lost a bit of pace. <laughs> Um, and he and he tries to go all himself and um, got got fucked. In, and and bear in mind, Phil, he's gone. He's gone to go himself. They're already well more than two scores down at that point. So they need to be looking at every point that they can get. Yet he's backed himself to get to the corner to make that conversion as hard as it's humanly possible instead of reading the game situation and reading that situation in its um, in isolation and go, actually, you know what? The best thing to do here is to draw the man and pass inside exactly like Kapuatsu did. And no, that's not Stuart Hogg. Stuart Hogg wouldn't want it to be the guy that scored the try. And that's where I think, uh, and Doug alluded to a minute ago, that's where I think Scotland have got a real problem. And it's it's the individual. Scotland individually have some some incredible individuals. As a team, I think <laughs> Scotland individually have got brilliant individuals. Yeah, that's Michael Owen level of analysis. <laughs> Literally, um, but you're obviously as a team, you're only as as you know, you're a sum of your equal parts, aren't you? So if you've got some exceptional individuals that don't want oh, to be God. part of that team, what's the point? That doesn't make any sense. I no, know what I'm trying to say. No, it makes really. perfect sense. And um, I, I think, to me, I think Townsend's lost the um, dressing room, and and I think he kind of he's got to move on for Scotland to move to the next level, personally. But yeah, Dougie. Who, who else is there to take over? Well, I wanted to talk about this briefly because the. You look at Pivak, can have Eddie Jones. you look at Townsend, and you look at Eddie Jones, and there's three there's three very much under fire head coaches. Um, and if you look at the the list of people, there's a list of five people, right? And the the, the same names are touted or the yeah, well, they say they said they, they um they tout the same names over and over again. Now 
I saw something, I think it was on Ruck, the names to replace Eddie Jones, and they'll be the same names to replace Townsend and the same names to replace Pivak, are Rob Baxter, um, Scott Robertson, and if that dancing twat face comes over to this country, he can fucking disappear. Right? I don't want him doing dances in circles. He could go to Wales or Scotland. He'll suit them down to the ground. Warren Gatland for England. He can get in the fucking sea. Uh, Andy Farrell. Why would he? Leave, why would he even consider leaving Ireland at this stage? He wouldn't. Um, and there was another one, and I can't remember who it is. Oh, fucking Razi Erasmus. Now, if Erasmus comes to England or Scotland, or Wales, uh, I may well just end this podcast immediately because I can't I can't cope with that guy that at all. The only person that any of these nations, the only person that any of these nations should be considering throwing an entire checkbook at to give a head coach role is Sean Edwards. I have absolutely no idea why... He is not being talked about at a very high level across all media outlets. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's something I'm missing. But you look you you look at all of the the media. You look at all of the the social media. You look at the pundits. Nobody mentions Sean Edwards, and he has done such an amazing yeah. job with France. He did great job with Wales in the back here with defense. He did a great job with wasps. He's turned, you know, Wales were a good side or that he, that he turned into a really, uh, he took them to the next level and that wasn't due to Gatland. That was due to Edwards. But he's and only ever done it as an assistant. Mate, he's only he ever has. Done it as a, as so that's not to say that, if England were to throw the checkbook, he wouldn't do a great job as a number one. I'm not saying that. He hasn't got he hasn't got such an amazing pedigree as a number one. He's got such an amazing pedigree as a number two. Um, but I mean, when you're talking Scotland, I think I think you can pull from a slightly different talent pool. I think they could look at Kenny Murray at Glasgow, who's got him at third in the rugby championship and doing a uh, doing a great job. Well, there. Danny Wilson's the head coach at Glasgow. Danny, um, uh, yeah, Kenny Murray's he's his done assistant. Well since he left Sheffield um, Wednesday, hasn't he? He's, just, no, he's just a number two, mate. Yeah, I know. But but I don't think Danny Wilson will go. But um, Scotland can pull from a different group of, that, of fun, fun Fun fact. Have I told you this? Danny Wilson was my head coach when I went to South Africa as a, a school. Yes, you have. 37 You've times. never mentioned you went to South Africa um, as a school rugby. So why don't you tell us about it again? I know, yeah, but I was I was kind of a big deal at school. There, the, <laughs> yes, there's five names that get bandied about, up. but those five names get bandied about because either they're available in the in the um, Gatland mould, or they're kind of at at the top or in a with a with a growing level of stock. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other people out there that couldn't do an excellent job. Steve Borthwick gets bandied around. Is it ready? Is it right time for him for England? No. Um, could he be part of a good England setup? Probably. Um, there, it, there are shed loads of coaches out there. I'm sure if you went to France and you started looking, flipping Ronan O'Gara. I'd love to see Ronan O'Gara looking after England. I absolutely would not. Uh, I would. He would do a great <laughs> I job. think. <laughs> I think it's really. Also, like it's quite easy to if you 
if if you're going to write a, an article for a national newspaper, especially at a time when there's so, like sort of casual rugby viewers, the easiest thing to do is put the five coaches they might have heard of in. Yeah, it's lazy. You know, they've all heard of Gatlin. They've all they've all heard of Razi Erasmus. I mean, I think I think you probably sold um, Gatland a little bit short earlier, Russ. I, I wouldn't be uh, completely averse to him. I, I, don't think I, I, I fucking hate him. Um, I really, really would. I I could not imagine anything worse than Warren Gatland. Warren Gatland taking over from Eddie Jones. I just can't. I I agree. I agree. Agree with you. I think I'd like to sort of see what see what we could get Sean Edwards in and and give him a give him a try. You know, it might it might be that he's a good number two, but we we'll never know unless he has a go at being number one. Um, but I I I think they'll probably go for someone from the Premiership. I think having spent all this money on Eddie Jones and it's been kind of mixed success, um, I think they they might play it safe. And you know, I don't necessarily think Baxter would want to do it. So you're looking at kind of Borthwick's in kind of pole position then I think. I mean we've kind of we've kind of segued. We seem to have um very yeah well, not even efficiently. That. Like we we it it depends what you want England to be. What 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 do you want England to look like for the next sort of six seven years? Because if if you want England want them to, to win the World Cup, gnarly. Well then the answer like as much as I wouldn't want it to be the case given what Steve Borthwick's done with Leicester and everything that he's done with every team he's been at he'd he'd be the answer now personally I'd like to see England play a little bit of a, a bit of sort of inventive attacking rugby not necessarily you know as Saints do at the moment but I'd like them to play with an attacking structure similar to Saints. So Sam Vesti for me would be a good attack coach. Could you pair him with Borthwick? I think that'd be quite good. I, I'm I'm not sure that would be a, a a marriage that would work very well interpersonally. Um, I I'd I'd love to see Vesti given a chance at a higher level, but look, they're going to go for the. It's the RFU man. They're gonna they're gonna go for the for the name, and that and that name's gonna be Gatland. Yeah, I mean, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind it'll be Gatland. It'll either be Gatland or it'll be someone you have never heard of. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to like Simon Amor or something like that. <laughs> Fucking ben hell. Ryan. I just can't, like, I can't, I, deserve a shot. I can't see any benefit in, in going back, you know, having seen what he's done with the Lions and Wales, I don't see any benefit in giving the job to Warren Gatland. I've, if you're going to be progressive, if you're going to move forward, and again, we've, we've started talking about England when we started this whole, this little bit of conversation talking about Ireland, Scotland, but you know, Ireland didn't win it. Good. We may as well move on to England, I think we gave France, enough, and England in general now. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like they deserve anything. They didn't win, so they won the game. They beat Scotland, so what? Um, but like, if we're going to be progressive, if we're going to try and move forward, Warren Gatland has made a living of playing one-out crash ball twelve rugby, and if 
Eddie Jones has demonstrated anything is that England probably don't have other outside of the the one man that everybody talks about a lot. Um, England don't really have that one guy who can play at twelve that can crush it up. And my worry is, you know, if Warren does, Gatler would be pretty fucked job, if he took over England. Alan Wynne Jones. <laughs> he gets gets another hundred and fifty caps for England. In you come, in you come, yeah, Alan. Three years off. Come on, son. Got your big plate. We wheeling out the <laughs> rotting carcass of Alan Wynne Jones. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> right. Let let's let's just let's I think just get he needs on to, to have this a bit of a realization about his hairline as well. To be honest, old AWJ. Let it go. Is it time to let it go? Oh, it's time oh, to let it go, man. That, pay to that get it put back. Sort of faux candy floss hair that he has on the top needs to go. Did you see? Just just to go back to AWJ for a second, he when he got substituted for Wales. And he kind of looked at the looked at the bench and pointed himself like, "Me? You you're taking you taking me off, mate? You've you've not you've not you've played less than one game of rugby in the last six months, mate. You, you know you're coming off. <laughs> oh, what me? Yes, Alan Wynn. get the fuck off. You're the Shit fourth. Else. You're the Overrated. fourth best second row on this bench. Um, And two of those playing in the back row. Um, yeah, so let's move on to England-France um, as we move towards the uh, the twilight of this podcast. Um, at no stage of that game on Saturday evening did England look like winning. Um, what did you make, Ben, of Eddie Jones' tactic to use one of our props. Can I just can I just as, ask ben a, quick uh, question? a strike runner can I just from fullback? Quick question. Yeah, if you want. Um, how long did it take for your you erection can ask, to ask go it, down Doug. after Freddie Stewart? <laughs> I I I just about heard that. Um, it was several hours. Several hours, Dad. Still there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's only it's very high shot. We we haven't talked properly since the the team announcement, and we all knew as soon as we saw Stewart go on the wing that it was going to be an aerial bombardment, and he was going to go after Stewart versus Villiers as a as a legitimate tactic. And and actually, it makes sense when you kind of think about it. It makes sense. If you're going to do something like that, you put their five foot eight winger against our six foot five winger and go, all right, go and contest that. And I think every, pretty much every high ball Stuart, where Stuart went for, he collected and he was, again, he was superb. But Freddie Stewart is a fullback. Freddie Stewart is not a winger. And we need to start. And, I mean, yeah, George, I Furbank, think... George Furbank may as well not have been on the pitch. Yeah, I think you you should be playing your 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 best players in your best positions. They could have still worked out a way to 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 kick kick the ball to Stewart against Villiers. He could have lined up on the wing, 
sometimes didn't have to be on the wing and I, you know and I, I i was you know not in, not really impressed by furbank you know he's definitely not a better fullback than than steward um and it it didn't really happen but i think if if villiers had got into space with just steward to be i you know for all steward's qualities pace isn't high high on the list and i think he might have been in trouble so i think it was there was a degree of risk there as well but um it's you know, not like we don't have tall He did really well. He it? played well, finished a good try, and and no, exactly. Um, you know, uh, and you, you know, and you've also got um, Slade playing out of position. Yeah, at twelve, third, I think it's safe to say thirteen's his best position. You've got your second best second row starting at six, and although he plays well at six. I just think, you know, part of the breakdown situation might have been um, alleviated by having a another back rower on there. It's like quicker around the they pitch. They absolutely um, murdered us at the breakdown for the first 25 minutes, didn't they? It yeah. Was... You know, it, I mean, even when England did get some ball just at the start of the second half, it was, you know, they, they, they kept possession through a few phases, but it was it, several times it was just because one of the backs just saw a situation developing and just flew in from, you know, on their own. It wasn't, it wasn't part of a plan or anything like that. It was just individuals sort of, sort of putting themselves on the line. Um, and, you know, it, it worked for a little while, but they were always going to, you know, run out of numbers for that. Um, you know, we, we talked about the game and, and, and it was mentioned to me that perhaps um, a little bit of Sean Edwards influence was the, the French might have been um, making sure they, completed the tackle on on anyone that was completing a short pass or an offload who who would then have have been clear the first man there to clear out because there was a couple of turnovers where no one got there you know it wasn't even that the the, the french counterrupt or jackaled it the, the ball was just waiting slade, for them to pick it slade up slade took one in didn't um, he i think i think it was slade in the in the 5 meter channel yeah early and he on had a man outside yeah. and he decided to take it in and the the winger overran, so I think it might have been Noel, or it might have been Daly at that point, and he overran, and there was nobody there to to even take the first man out of the ruck, and literally France just stepped over the first man from France stepped over, took the ball, and that was it. Can we? Um... And and what what you said about I was I was just going to go back to the the question about Gen, yeah, because it's an interesting um, one. Yeah. It, it just showed how few ball carriers they've got in that in that starting 15. They could have used Dombrant because they always used um, Billy Vodopola in, in that role. I find it but, odd. But Dombrant wasn't starting. I find it odd that they wouldn't use Sam Simmons in that role. Using Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he could easily have done it. Right, Simmons, Simmons is a good runner in that kind of role, but he's he's kind of looking for... For, for shoulders um, and gaps and looking for opportunities to turn 10 into 15 or 20 through finding a hole. Whereas Genji's, I'm going to run straight at you. And it was, I think that was the tactic was to be confrontational and to try and batter them and to take them down. And, and that is classic Eddie Jones arrogance. I, I, I didn't mind using Genji for it because I thought he did a, a pretty good job of it. But it's like when we tried to, in the World Cup final, we tried to take on South Africa with a physical game. 
We're not going to beat South Africa with a physical game. We weren't going to use Gens running at French forwards to knacker them in the first 20 minutes and, and make space out wide. This is a different France team to that of 10 years ago where they'll blow themselves out in the first 30 minutes. But um, can we just talk about ruck speed? So there's obviously two aspects to ruck speed. In that, in the lead up to the to the Dupont try, I think they were averaging, France were averaging something like 1.3, 1.4 seconds per ruck. So that's from point of tackle to ball being shifted. And pretty much every time that was Dupont making the tackle. Some I think there might have been one where somebody else stepped in. Um, obviously, there's two aspects to ruck speed. One is getting the ball to the back of the ruck. And then the second is is moving the ball on. England weren't quick enough getting the, the ball presented or weren't as quick as France were getting the ball presented because we only had, we effectively only had Underhill doing the bulk of that work. And there's only so many rucks that he was able to hit because everybody else was tied in other places. So there's always a delay to get that second person there. But in that second half, in the lead up to um, when Otoji knocked the ball on a couple of yards outside their try line, came from an England line out, there were five rucks. Not one of those rucks was the ball moved in less than three seconds from when it was presented to the scrum half. So this wasn't Ben Young slow to get there. This is from the point at which you can see the ball at the back foot and Ben Young's has stood there. And every one of those five, it took more than three seconds until he passed the ball. So players stood there waiting for it. Now, that's not, that's not acceptable at flipping level eight rugby let alone at international rugby. And I just think it's it's gone on too long, this this slow ball from Youngs. And once every 10, 10 games, he'll have a good game and he'll save his career for another two years. He is not good enough at stupid, shifting stupid the ball when we've got forward possession, when we're going forwards. And it, it ruined us, absolutely stupid. ruined us with any momentum we ever got. I mean, the, the game Stuart broader rugby, did you totally. just say, Doug? Yeah, he, yeah, he did. Yeah, the the game plan was shipped from the start, and we were never going to win that game. But the one time you start getting momentum, and you end up with with slow ball, and you're only ever passing it to a forward a yard out, so the French defence have got loads of time to set. Well, yeah. Youngs wasn't he passing tripled. the ball to a he wasn't passing the ball to a forward a yard out. What he was doing, he was taking two yards of space off him. And then pass into a ball, pass to a ball that was three yards out, but he only had a yard because Young's, um, Young's moved on from there. Like he took two yards of space off him. It, yeah, he took two yards of space off him, and then passed the ball a yard out. Ran into the referee. Yeah, it, it just he crippled us with any kind of attacking play that we've got. Now Ben Young's three years ago was great England player, great servant. That time, was, he's the Alan Wynne-Jones of the England side. It's, uh, yeah. It goes back again. It's almost that. sentimental I mean, now, and it was demonstrable when Harry Randall came players, on. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I just don't think I don't know that Harry Randall's the right player, choice. You think, yeah, I, I think also he's also got this idea that he can outthink the opposition. And I don't know if that's because he just doesn't have faith in the England players and he thinks he needs some kind of scheme, or if he just thinks he's the cleverest man in the, in the stadium. But there always seems to be some kind of like 
sneaky master plan rather than just picking his 15 best players in the best positions and trying to play better. You know, he didn't didn't need to put Stewart on the wing, you know, because, you know, if, we, if we'd have just matched France, then we wouldn't have needed the plan. I mean, it was a big ask, but it probably had just as much chance well, of success. You said that. You can make that in-game tactic, can't you? You can set up in such a way within a game without making in, without putting Stewart on the wing in the game, as in wear the 14 shirt. You could you can line up in such a way in certain situations where actually this well, is going to manifest itself rather than rather than trying. And actually, to he was on it. he was on the right wing. Um, yeah, he was on the right wing, yeah. wasn't he? And the or basically that the entire match was effectively played on the wing opposite him. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was it was all on Noel's side in the first half, and and Daly's in the second. So there, there were not that many kicks for him to chase anyway, because every single box kick was was on the wrong side but, of the. Pitch. But every kick he every kick he did chase, it seemed like he got there and took. But he got there and yeah. he got there and why took, then and then was by himself. Why, why, because again, and then yeah, it we. Why, why was England's Sorry, plan not go. to then shift wing wingers to if if you've got a game plan specifically designed around Freddie Stewart chasing box kicks, why are you not switching Freddie Stewart to the the blind side of wherever the ball is? If you're box kicking on the yeah. left, Freddie Stewart should be your left winger. If yeah, exactly, right, and that would have been easier right if he was at fullback. Yeah. Yeah. You just put him in a position where he's going to receive the most ball, don't you? But that's that's surely that's game management and game awareness. But those um, when Stewart did get the ball chasing those kicks, he was by himself, and again because the players that you'd want to be chasing him were stuck at the bottom of a ruck somewhere tied in. I think France did a really good job of disrupting us in that way and kind of holding people in, tying people in. But there were two or three occasions where you could see whether it was a part of the game plan, a sub part of the game plan, or whether it was just people playing instinctively. But Marcus Smith got the ball in a little bit of space between him, Slade, Marchant, whatever. They created an opportunity, um, one of which led to the try. And Marchant gets a bit of space and makes 30, 40 yards. And well, I thought it was the best game for England. There's, but, there's two things I want to address there, Phil. One of which is Marcus Smith getting, not necessarily pelters, but people said, oh, he's not the same player as he is for Quinns and he isn't creating very much and it's his fault that England haven't created very much this tournament. And I think that narrative is really lazy based on the type of game that England have played and the type of game that he plays for Quinns. Um, The second point I wanted to, to make is around Joe Marchant and... Yes, he did have a good game on Saturday. Um, you know, no doubt about that. But it wasn't two games ago that everyone was saying he was absolute horseshit and didn't do anything against Italy, and he should have done more. And he wasn't good enough for England. Uh, and it's that it's that sort of flick flacking that. But the same, it comes down to the same thing. It comes down to the fact that and we've said this all six nations. We haven't got a game plan that requires a back who can do anything other than kick the ball and Freddie Stewart who can jump and catch. 
that's the game plan. So um, we, we were saying on the, I can't remember whether it was the Twitter group or the WhatsApp group, Ben, ben you obviously don't rate Slade as highly as, as Russ and I rate him. I probably don't rate him quite as well as, as Russ do, does, but he isn't given the opportunity to show what he can do because A, he's out of position and B, we're not playing a game plan based on kind of your fairly simple traditional rugby of you tie people in, you move defenders about, and then you spin it wide and let the backs do what the backs should do. It, it's, I mean, they're, they're doing donkey work. Um, and it was, it's been the same really for the entirety of Jones's um, tenure, even with Farrell at 12, the, anybody outside him was there really to do the donkey work to allow it, Farrell to pick his kicks and, and the like. It always... just, just coming back to your two points for us, a, they come back to the game plan, but with Marcus Smith, it's really simple. It comes down to Esterhazen. Marcus Smith with Esterhazen outside him is a completely different player to Marcus Smith with Slade outside him. And I think anybody would be. It's two different, it's two completely different ways to play rugby because you're fixing a defence. Henry Slade, if you've got, if you've got Henry Slade at 12, as a 12 playing opposite him, you would be confident in making that one-on-one tackle. If you're playing 12 against Andre Esterhazen, you're, think, you're thinking to yourself, you're going to need your 12. Side? Where's my open? Where is my open side? Exactly. And that is going to suck in two defenders, maybe more, to then create space wide. When you've got Henry Slade at 12, what that does is it allows the defence to fan and drift and it gives people confidence. And, you know, Henry Slade is not going to bosh the ball through at 12. He's gonna he's gonna make and he did it again with Marchant like he did against South Africa in the in the autumn. He put Marchant in that gap beautifully. Absolutely, it was fantastic. But it was so few and far between. It, well, it happened once. It's happened twice in six matches. It's not. It's yeah, not I sustainable. Think, I, I to to just go back to what Phil said. I think you know. I do think Slade's a very good, good, very good player, but I just, I wonder now, must be around, I don't know, 40 caps, um, and you know, not really imposed himself more than once or twice on on a game in a major way. And I, I think March and, and and you're right, I did kind of write him off three or four games ago, but since then he's played really well, um, and he's played really well against the two best teams in the tournament. Um, so. I just wonder if it's worth maybe giving him a little go um, and, and seeing how he goes with with whatever centre they pair him with. But Phil's absolutely right. They need someone who can break the line and, and make the defence think twice. It's just keeping the defence honest. It's um, just keeping the defence honest. Yeah. And Whether that's um, Dan Kelly or whether that's someone else, I, I'm not entirely sure, but someone's someone's got to be given a try. Yeah. We need something needs to be done in regards to that one outfit, that first fixing that first first up defence. Because at the moment, it's England is so predictable and so easy to defend against. It is just it's painful to watch. What wasn't painful to watch was Sam Underhill. I mean, first game back for England since uh, the autumn when he went off against South Africa. Was he was phenomenal, wasn't he? And it just goes to like, imagine, like Curry's been brilliant. 
you know, consistently brilliant for a long time now. When him and Underhill are in the same team, you put Dombrant at eight. You you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have a back row that's gonna cause people problems. Courtney well, Laws is a world class second row. Play him at second row. Second row, yeah. Charlie Yule should never yeah, play I another think... game for England. Nick Azikwe should be a backup. He should be so... a backup to Joe Launchbury. So if you're going to pick a lock on the bench, you pick Joe Launchbury. You start with Laws and Itoje in the in the second row. You start with Curry and Underhill and Don Brandt. And then you have Simmons and Launchbury on the bench as a change-up uh, to, to change things as and when needed. So yesterday at, at rugby, um, I was chatting to somebody and I made that point that, that Laws should be playing second row with Itoje. And they said, oh, but... Laws and Otojo are too lightweight to be in the second row. Look what happened in the World Cup. In the World Cup, we were against the best, probably the two best front rows in the world and had our tight head Sparko after 80-odd seconds. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a fair reflection on how well they go. Look at how well they did Laws and Otojo against Ireland and absolutely crucified them in the, in the pack. I think, and, in, and against all, the All Blacks in the semi-final. Yeah. So I think there's enough evidence there to say that that Laws and Otojo are perfectly fine in the second row together. There's not an issue about them being lightweight. Yeah. Okay. Where do we where do we go where do we go from here then for for England? Where does Eddie Jones go from here, Ben? Well, where does where does he go? I've no idea. What he should do is play play his best team play play players in their positions play he's he's got um he knows who his best tennis he knows who his best fullback is um does he though we've just picked his does second row for him that makes sense to me i think you know well yeah he doesn't but we you we know do. that's what he should we, do he should have know. <laughs> he should well, have if we surely if we if we know and we can see it how can he not see it? And he's being paid a shit ton of money to be able to see it. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, is it is it just him trying to be clever again? But you know, if you've got a Toje and Laws, Underhill, Curry, that's four. We had a debate: what's a world class player? Well, those four have proved they're world class. And then your best number eight is Dombrant, which gives you an extra ball carrier. Um, which means that Paul Genge doesn't have to do all of it. Um, and then he needs to find a 12 from somewhere. And 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 then maybe we've got a chance. But, I mean, look, look at what, what um, the, the big 12 does for France. I've, I've given up pronouncing French names now. But, yeah, I mean, he's just a focal point, isn't he? As well as being a really good player, you just... You just Send him up the middle if you need him. He'll get turnovers for you. Why don't Why don't you just, you know, use that as a template? Um, you know, we haven't really said how how good France were, but you know, they've been really good all tournament. Um, but you know, you've got an outside centre and an inside centre rather than two centres. You know, so. Um, yeah, I think England's way forward is to maybe just simplify it a little bit. Just steward steward your best fullback, play him at fullback. Um, 
get two wingers in and then have have a couple more ball carriers rather than you mean play trying to sort of make it up off the cuff. So at one stage we had three second rows on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's a bit radical, isn't it, Doug? It, at it's one stage we had three second rows on the pitch, two number eights, two fly halves, and three fullbacks. <laughs> but it's not none of this will happen. You're exactly right, then. But none of this will happen while Eddie Jones is there. The only way we progress is getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. That's it, pure and simple. He's too busy calling everyone mate. <laughs> I, just one thing I would say though is there's there's something about Chesson, isn't there? It does make things I, happen. I like him. He just he, he offers yeah. energy. He's you know, short, if he's yeah, gonna, he, he could be. I, I hate to. <laughs> <laughs> you see some brain. <laughs> Um, talking all over I, I, yeah he does he does there is something about him isn't it mike cash mike cash type mike cash's 12 year old brother's type yeah he <laughs> but you're right though ben chesham is good he like there's something about him i don't know i don't necessarily know what it is whether it's a bit of raw talent whether it's the energy whether whatever it might be I said there was something Tom Croft like about him, and I think you said he doesn't have the pace of Tom Croft, which is obviously a fair comment. But I think the way he he gets around the pitch, maybe not that straight line speed, but he very much in that mould. In that, you know, like when the the second row back row player was first kind of mooted, and Tom Croft was kind of the first one of the first ones of those wasn't he in in that time and he played it locked sometimes quite lightweight but could also play at six as opposed to a, an actual lock playing six and he yeah, just he's the other way around he was a six who could fill in in the second row for the last yeah game. but i like i like i like chesham and i think you know he's somebody that that should be given a a chance to to stay to stick around and and if you're gonna he's one of those players that you could use as a a legitimate bench option when you when you're trying to balance it off you know like mm. when you're looking for you know oh can can you cover second row if absolutely desperate you know if we went in a different direction and picked two back two back rowers on the bench or whatever it might be Cool. cool. <laughs> We're all in agreement with you. All in agreement. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, well, with that in mind, let's let's wrap it up, shall we? Let's move on to some um, any other business, unless anybody's got any England-related rugby chat to come up with. Um, I think, you know, as far as the Six Nations goes, it's been a bit of a. Um, it's hard to say disaster, but it's not been great for England. Um, I've got to congratulate France. Um, I'm glad it wasn't Wales or Ireland, specifically Ireland. Uh, but France have been far and away the best team of the tournament. Um, and hopefully they're picking, peak picking, peaking early. A lot like the Irish, they tend to peak about 12 to 18 months pre-World Cup. So that's true to form at the moment, uh, which is nice. 
I'm not saying we should do it, but if if you picked a team of the tournament, you probably have nine or ten Frenchmen in it. Yeah, easy. Do you think? Easy. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think uh, of you, somebody who isn't French who would get in it. Maybe Hugo Keenan. Yeah, I was going to say Keenan, um, Atoje. I thought Atoje who was, would, was uh, really poor on Saturday. I thought. So he looked like he was trying a bit too hard and getting a lot of things wrong, and it's the worst game I've seen him play. Yeah, he was a lot quieter than normal. Uh, But I think up in... Agree. I'd have the Italian... But Itoje for who? Which one of the French ones would you not have in there? See, I'd have a Toji and Wookie. If there's a team of any tournament ever being picked, Maro Toji's in it. I'd have Willamza and Wookie. Because he's the best rugby player in the world, without yeah. a shadow of doubt. That's true. Um, I did see one of these teams of the tournament put out today um, that was voted for by the public, and they had Finn Russell at 10 and Stuart Hogg at 15, which I... Well, it, I, it was a cross between... Being uh, incredibly humorous and just uh, making me angry at how she's No, Planet Planet (laughs) Rugby. Planet Rugby um, from Balamori. I do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do. I do think, uh, Russ, you're right. I think Keenan's been brilliant um, at fullback. He has. Yeah. You're just laughing at Russell being right. No, he's laughing at Balamori, I think. Because he's on a slight delay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm laughing. It's uh, Keenan has been has been delay. top class. No, no least. Um, sorry, what was that, Doug? I I heard it. Just being funny. Um, not least for the the tackle of Stuart Hogg, which made Stuart Hogg look like a pillock. Um. And I, I will maintain, even though he plays for Exeter, Stuart Hogg is one of the most overrated rugby players ever, uh, ever to grace a rugby pitch. Um, you know, hot take. May not like it, but in my view, it's true. So, duh, uh, let's move on. Any other business? Doug, you go first, because we can all just wait for you. Okay, um... Ben, I know you you like my TV recommendations. I've I'm pretty good at recommending TV programs. If you, I, although I doubt any of you poor people from Cornwall have got Apple TV. Uh, if you do, then you should check out Severance, which is very good. Um, <laughs> I, I won't I won't this too much, but it's a very good program. Um, uh, and then I made a, I made a wonderful leg of lamb at the weekend, which was uh, wonderful. There you go. Someone's doing all right. How do, how do you make your leg of lamb? <laughs> Whole leg as well, Russ. Surely One that's leg. the lamb's job. You only get there when you jump into fields and butcher them yourself, don't you? <laughs> With flint. <laughs> You're such a dick. Phil, any other business? Um, so, yeah, for those of you with some video, you'll see behind me an array of shirts. And uh, this one here. The slightly horrible maroony looking one um, is com- is from my uni side, um, Royal Dick uh, Vet School. 
So when I was there playing Scottish National three, down into four a couple of times in the backup three. Um, and they played their last game of rugby two weekends ago. They have folded as a club. They are no more. Um, all because of the feminisation of the veterinary profession. There aren't enough boys in vet school anymore to stick a rugby team out. Um, and I think it's a massive shame because most of my good memories at uni started with a rugby match and finished with uh, me vomiting somewhere. So, so listeners, uh, what Phil is <laughs> saying is there's too many women in veterinary uh, yep. pursuits. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough women vets piss on each other. That's what he says. Yeah. Uh, ben, any other business? Nah, let's let's wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll 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 recommend one. Um, is uh, for those of you who haven't watched, I started watching Queen of the South on Netflix, which is quite good. Um, Scottish football Yes, it's about. <laughs> Very good. Uh, right, that'll do. We're uh, we've been going on for ages, so we'll get out of here. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for I've, watching. I've if you're watching, this chair um, for we'll try and uh, five maybe hours. do this again sometime. When we've... Well, do yeah. your job better next time, and we'd have started earlier. Wow, I mean, that's true. But wow, I'm I'm just grateful because I've been waiting two full years now to do a video in front of a bookcase <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, don't, I just thought it was full of vhs <laughs> doug would believe that as well wouldn't he books, it's like Cornwall vhs yeah Do you remember? I don't remember your parents used to have those things where you what, would, pornos? you would, no, you'd take the VHS. It was almost be like leather-bound books, and you'd have a catalogue. You'd have number yes. sixteen, which is um, Goldfinger, number seventeen, uh, A Year of Living Dangerously, <laughs> number eighteen, Commando. Stop getting Bond wrong. Um, you know, number just, twenty-three, just... A Year in Provence, Part One. Stop getting Bond wrong, but just just run like VHS in, and then with a little book with what what number uh, case instead of leaving it in the actual case where you could see what it is, they take it out of the case, put it in a numbered case, and then write in a book so you'd have a, a video library. I don't know if if you ever had that, but I did. It was cool. Yeah, we had that. I mean, someone's cool is subjective as well, but. <laughs> Anyway, let's go. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will see you all again, uh, maybe next week. Um, maybe not. Go well. How do I end this? Make it stop.
Sports Social Podcast Network.